guess what? Uh, that spot never goes away. <laughs> I'm 48. I still pray that prayer. God, what next? What next? We're all, you know, we're always pursuing the heart of God. And, uh, and so, actually, can we just pray for our brother and bless him? I just want to thank. I mean, honestly, we came to a sight unseen. We built Friday. We built uh, yesterday morning. I think it's now the blind date. I mean, I I called. Uh, I have a couple of friends at Nyack College, and we said, hey, we have this Holy Spirit weekend coming. Is there any way you could get us some worship guys? You know, and uh, here's this guy, John Lang. I, I never knew him, and so we're like, sure. So we start calling and texting, and here he is. And he's what a blessing. He really has been good to be with you. Father, we want to thank you for John. I thank you for the call that he's placed in his life. I thank you, Lord, for the work of it. Uh, glory to the Lord. You have certainly anointed this man for worship. And I thank you, God, for the way this weekend that you've used him to draw us into your throne room, into your presence, in worship. And uh, so, Lord, we just want to pray a blessing on him today. I pray, Lord, that as he speaks to you about the next next step that he's got for him. Lord, would you simply make your way plain, I pray. I pray that we would literally hear your voice behind him saying, hey, John, this is the way. Walk in it. This way right here. And, uh, Father, that uh, as he walks, he would discover that you've already been there. You've already been preparing it, getting it ready for him. And so, Lord, we pray a blessing on your brother today. played the whole time. He's stealing my sermon. Oh, sorry. No, no, that's good. <laughs> so, but, uh, Every, every once in a while, the Lord uh, will bring someone. We were talking about this with Lukey last night there, you know. We have friends for a reason, friends for a season, friends for a lifetime. And I can tell you that yet friends for a lifetime tend to be very few and far between. Very, very, that's a very small, small number of people. And uh, so David is certainly a friend for a lifetime. God knit our hearts together 20-some years ago. Mashed them together, knit them together, I guess. Anyway, and uh, what makes our relationship special is this. 
David and I are at our best when we're on our knees together. We're actually quite different if you think about it. And we've marveled at that. Why would God put two completely different guys and make us love each other so much? But we're very different. We're pretty different in personality and gifts. But when we get together on our knees before Jesus, it's amazing what God does. The puzzle comes together. The puzzle comes together, doesn't it? So anyway, this is David. And uh, those of you that were here yesterday and Friday night, you've already met David. But those of you that have not, (laughs) this is David. And uh, so I thank you for your ministry this weekend, too. I have to admit, part of it is selfish. So the selfish part of me says, I just enjoyed, I just enjoy working with Dave. We just had fun together, ministering, you know. So I, I so thank you for indulging me <laughs> this weekend and uh, allowing me to bring David here so that we could just hang out. But uh, that's been good. I'm good. Anyway, okay, that's it. And I'm not going to tell him about how you won my daughter's basketball. <laughs> I'm not going. David, David likes, he's old, so he went to bed like at 8 o'clock, and a bunch of us were all there eating Chinese food until the wee hours of the morning, and David, and so David's up in bed. Is my so face finally, red or what? So Tyler, so Tyler and I are the last ones going to bed, and we're getting ready to go up the stairs, and we see this ghost-like figure come out of the bathroom at the top of the stairs, and it's Dave in a white bathrobe. I'm like, you look like the Pope. What are you doing? And then, and then Tyler goes... He doesn't have a bathrobe. And then it hits me. He's wearing my daughter's bathrobe. That's insane. Anyway. He's a little tight. A little, I bet it was. That's the explanation. So there we oh, go. Lord. So thank you, Father, for my brother. I bless him today. And we uh, just, right, just thank you for the ministry that he's had among us this weekend. And, uh, Lord, I just, uh, we, we are eager to see what you've got today. I just uh, boy, where's our drummer? Is he here? Yeah. Hey, hi, Chris. Boy, I just have to acknowledge this heroic effort this morning. I mean, I never see anything like this. You guys didn't even notice, but he's going along drumming, and all of a sudden his foot pedal throws up. Did you notice? You know why? The the bolts came apart, the chains fell off. He grabbed that thing with his toes. Didn't he? And he kept right on beating. Boy, I was like, wow. Yeah. That was great. That was awesome. Uh, Jonathan and David, huh? Uh, Let's see. Tyler and John. Come here, please. You guys need to get up here. John, remember the first thing I said to you when we met? You guys can, uh, you know, I can't do this without you, so. <laughs> I know, you thought you were going to get a break, didn't you? <laughs> it's been two days, but okay. <laughs> John, you, uh, you remember the first thing I said when we met? You don't remember, do you? I said, 
you're going to be friends with my son-in-law, Tyler. And then, uh, you know, I was, I was out there in worship and praying, and, and, uh, and I saw that same picture, you know, of David and Jonathan. And I thought, oh, you know what? He's named well, because that's a special gift to bond like that. And uh, as you know, that story between David and Jonathan, uh, they had a, a, specu- a special uh, spiritual bond of love that was instantaneous and forever, you know? And it's like Doug and I, we've been, to, we've been apart for, I don't know, 18 years. We've been separated, and uh, it feels like 18 minutes, you know? And I just want to say that that's going to be the same kind of relationship with you guys. It, no matter, go your separate ways, you'll be apart, but when you see each other, there's going to be that same synergy, that same bond, you know? And uh, I thank Jesus for that, because he's the one who does that stuff, you know? It's really cool. So I had these guys up here because uh, I know that uh, the word God tells me that uh, Jesus the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they inhabit the praises of his people. And I don't like to do anything. I don't like to say anything unless uh, Jesus is here. How many of you want to hear from Jesus? Yeah, me too. You know? And uh, I know when it says when two or more are gathered, right, in his name, that's why we came here. We're going to worship him and praise him and we're here in his name. And so we can confidently trust that he's moving among us. I can almost see his smile. Every once in a while, it almost feels like he brushes by. He says, Dave, you so rarely know that's my breath on your neck. I get so busy and preoccupied with my toys and my things. But there's nothing, nothing, nothing that can compare. <laughs> Want to give you an opportunity to help me recap this time that we've had this weekend. So uh, I want to open up to some of you that have been here. And uh, help me recap. What, what's the Holy Spirit been saying and doing from, from your perspective? Help me out. Because I can stand up here and give you mine, but I'd like to hear what the Holy Spirit has uh, been speaking. I know I put you on the spot, and I'm going to read the, some of the verses that were our theme for the weekend, for the Holy Spirit weekend. Our theme verse was 2 Timothy 1.6. It says, fan into flame the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. What does that mean? Fan into flame. Stir it up. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy, come on, Timothy. There's gifts in you. Don't neglect them. Let's, let's exercise, let's work those gifts out. 
And we talked about gifts. We talked about the Holy Spirit. We talked about 1 Corinthians. What an amazing thing. I, I didn't even see this until uh, I was invited. But the very first chapter in the book of Corinthians, the first, the first letter to the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul says, uh, I always thank my God for you and the gracious gifts that he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way. With all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge, this confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift. Now you have some you have every spiritual gift that you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this. For he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We've been called partners. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the New River Church. Rather, be of one mind, united in one thought and one purpose. Anybody inspired at all to share, to speak a little bit about Go That's wonderful. That's great. There's, there's certain gifts that I begged God for on my knees, and he said, you're never getting that. Very clearly. And then explain to me why. <laughs> Anyone else?
We do. We have a friend, right? We have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's what we have in common. Tammy. Tammy is my comrade. No? <laughs> as I can be and as personality-wise as I can be. This is the hardest thing in the world for me. I actually feel like I was going to vomit like over there. Um, <laughs> Dave called me up. I said one of my hardest things to give a word to someone in this congregation is I know you and I don't want it to get tainted with what I know about you. So he explained it like, Doug has used this illustration before, like <laughs> a hose and like you're drinking fresh water and the water was good and you know, it left yesterday. All I heard was I heard like you get much holes like that's all I heard and um Janelle actually gave me the CD of like this service so I could actually hear what you really said and Dave's like oh my gosh Dave I heard none of that it's that sensitivity that God has given you warned me about this um but the Lord had said to me yesterday I wrote it down and then I went back and compared it with the word that you gave like, even if, even if there is much hose, is it worth sharing even one word of encouragement directly, authentically from the Lord that it may touch and impact the life that he sent me to touch in his name for his honor and his glory and for their good? Right. And Lord, could you help me to boldly share everything you give me without reservation and without regret or fear? Do not hide your gift. Heaven's army is on both sides. And, um, and I would say that to all of you. Like, we, every single person in this room have a gift for a reason. Would you join me in seeking the Lord <laughs> to share it boldly without fear? I want your words in my life. They build up strength and they encourage me. And we get, that to, we get the privilege of doing that to each other. And, like, honestly, I totally blew it yesterday. Poor Renee had to hear my, like, drama about it. Um, the Lord had called me. I am scared to death to stand here. You guys who know me, I'm like, I am more than willing to go over and share what the Lord's doing in someone's life. But being here, calling it up, I was like, I just don't get it. Why do I have to do that? Can't I just roam around in the back? And because um, I'm scared to death to ever have anyone have expectations of me that I am like some fabulous thing because this is not my gift. It's the Lord moving through me and he can move through you and through you and through you in different ways or the same way I don't know but I missed an opportunity yesterday to call publicly a gift into presence a ministry into presence and so I don't mean to scare the crap out of you sweetie but Linda Dagan can you come forward just come here honey <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be I'm like she's crying already this is the same sweetie I need to talk into I caught her outside and the Lord used it but I couldn't figure out why this had to be public, and it was because I needed the congregation to know that the Lord is going to make a change for you, honey. I confirmed even this morning as Wayne and I were with you, like, he calls you freedom fighter. He calls you freedom fighter, and he's giving you keys in your own freedom to go and unlock the jail cells of those who are eyes to see them in fresh and new ways and words placed in your heart to deliver, to 
those that need a word of encouragement, of strengthening, of comfort, of deliverance. And if you will follow him, just follow him. Remember his arms, if you would follow him where he calls you. As you unlock, they will unlock, and they will unlock you. And the world will be glorified. People will know that you've been glorified. People will come to know Jesus, as you have now learned and have. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're encouraged by Scripture to publicly honor those who honor Him. You know, to acknowledge those. personal relationship with God you know there's nothing like seeing him peek around the corner and good job you know that's that's the best Thank you, Lord. That's great. I mean, it feels like Jesus is uh, really wanting to do church the way he's always wanted to do church. Amen? <laughs> Sometimes we want to do it our way. 
wish I had that. I wish I had your accent. It's so cool. You want to do it our way. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh. Yeah, come on. I watched my wife Betsy we raised the four children and uh, I mean she could have done it without me that she's super super mom Luke Rachel huh and yet sometimes you know it'd be great if my 14 year old knew how to make a bed no I'm just teasing but there is a point, you know, and Doug, I love him. He would get on his hands and knees and have everyone in this room pile on, and he would crawl his way and claw his way to the gates. You know my point? I love this guy, but uh, man, we need you guys, we need you, we need your amazing gifts, you know, we're a team, we're a team, I surveyed my family and said, you know, if we, if God would have us leave a deposit, you know, uh, if there was one thing we could leave, what, you know, and the consensus was unanimous. So please forgive me. I'm not a teacher. I'm not even a good preacher. Uh, but as uh, the Apostle Peter said in his, in his uh, letter, um, he says, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say these things to you it's, it's my spiritual right. And, and I have to remind you, because I'm not going to be around much longer, but I have to remind you of these things. Even though you've heard them before. 2 Peter verse 1, 12 says, Therefore I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth, It is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure that you always remember these things after I'm gone. What's the, uh, what's the most important commandment? Anyone? that anyone let's see a hand it says love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind 
strength. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. How many are good at the first one? How many are good at the second one? I'm going to bring you back and introduce you to some of my neighbors. Do you have people in your life that you grieve over? Are there, are there people in your life that have betrayed you, that you've experienced depths of treachery that have scarred you? That's your neighbor, you know? I, I have, I have people that I've invested my, I, it's, it's, you know, as a, as a prophetic pastor, you know, as a, a shepherd is supposed to lay his life down. And if that's who you really are, that's what you really do. And I don't know if anybody has hurt Jesus more than Judas. Do you think Jesus loves Judas? Even now, he grieves. How about Esau? I don't understand this. He said that I hated Esau. But I love him. He's never going to give up. He's never going to quit loving us. Lord knows he hates the things I've done. Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the book of Moses are based on these two commandments. I know we talk about the Great Commission. And that, that's a, a pretty good secondary idea. But it's never going to replace the main thing. That's the main thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this has been with me since I was a brand new Christian. If I could speak with the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's special plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, 
I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could brag about it. But if I didn't love others, it wouldn't have gained me anything. Love is patient and kind. Love's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it's not snippy. I'm sorry, guys. Because I'm snippy sometimes. And it doesn't keep any record of being wronged. I keep hitting that replay button. I keep hitting that replay button. Replay. I can't believe he did that to me after everything I said after everything I've done after all my replay 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 but it doesn't keep a record as far as the east is from the west he's forgotten and forgave it does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out Someone accused me of being a truth guy. But thank you. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. He will never leave me or forsake me. Never is a long time. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge, it's all going to become useless. They said, your dad's in the hospital. He's got that reflux going on and he's down in the emergency room because the Tums and stuff, they're not, they're not helping him. So I grabbed my Bible and my wife stayed home with our pregnant for our first one and I showed up there and uh, was in the room and kind of joking with dad they had an oxygen mask on him and uh, he didn't know God or Jesus in fact he used to chastise me for being a holy roller and try to warn me that I would bring undue persecution on myself on the construction site if I kept praying and reading my Bible within view of other construction workers. I said, thanks, Dad. I know you're looking out for me. You need to keep that holy roller stuff a little bit tucked away. And the, the doctor came in the ER and after he pulled his stethoscope off my dad, he looked at mom and my sister, 10 years younger than me, and said, your husband's dying of a massive heart attack. He wanted to really accentuate the massive. And my mom was like, she's turned to stone. 
And my sister screamed like a banshee and screamed down the hallway. And I chased her down and grabbed hold of her. I said, hey, you know, Dad needs you right now. You need to just calm down, you know, and, you know, get a hold of yourself here. And, uh, and I started pacing the hallway as the nurses and the, they started prepping him. They were going to do emergency bypass, you know. And uh, I'm pacing the floors. And all I could think of was, uh, I don't know why this thought came to me, but King David, when he was told that his son was going to die, he went out in the yard and he laid down face first on the lawn, right? He laid there all night. And, I, and so I was looking for the door. I was going to go outside and lay down on the grass. And then it occurred to me that the baby died anyway. That's the dumb idea. <laughs> so I didn't know, I'm, I was, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I'm pacing around. I said, and I had my Bible with me. And I always had, I always kept my Bible. I carry it to work today. And uh, I, I knelt down in the, I knelt down in the hallway. And, you know, the door was in front of me. And I had my back to the wall. And, uh, my Bible was closed. I just put it, I put it down on the ground. And uh, I said, God, I know the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so that counts me out. Because I am, I'm none of that. And I don't even, I'm not even worthy to ask you for anything, but if there's anything at all you can do to save my dad, please, you know, he needs to know you. And I just opened up my Bible, and, uh, and it came out to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, you know. And, and I looked at it, and I said, I remember that verse. And as I got up, I was kind of astonished to notice that I had created a bit of a scene, and the nurses had taken note of what was going on, and they... One of them grabbed my arm as I stood up, and the other one ushered me through the doorway, and they announced to the heart surgeon, we think his son has something from the Bible. And the surgeon looked at my dad and said, would you like to hear something from your son from the Bible? And with his oxygen mask on and panic in his face I'd like I'd never seen, he couldn't get enough air. His, he was drowning as his lungs were filling up with fluid. He shook his head yes. And so they got me alongside of my dad. I was on this side of him. And I opened up my Bible and propped it up on his chest for a second. And they all parted like the Red Sea, you know. And I, I put my finger on those verses. I said, Dad, I said, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And he looked and said, yeah. And I, I closed my Bible, and I started to pray, and I stammered over some Jesus. Uh, Dad, you, you have to pray. And he squeezed my hand real tight and closed his eyes and said, Jesus, forgive me. And when he opened his eyes, he said, I'm saved. In this panic, in the fear, and all the anxiety, I could just see 
was being replaced. They could see that in his countenance, his face, you know. And then they just started budging me back out of the way. And I went to be with my mom and my sister, and I called my small group leader, Billy, and my other home group leader, Brad, and, and, and they said, we're coming down, we're coming down, Dave, and I'm waiting in the hallway for them, and they come in, and I'm high-fiving them. My dad is safe, guys. You know, and the people thought I was a lunatic because I was cheering, you know. My dad, he's, he's going to be all right, you know. And got in the room, and we waited. By now, it's, it was getting really late. It was 1 o'clock in the morning when the surgeon came back from the OR, and he walked in the room, and he went right to my mom and said, Mr. Stoutinger, I, I want you to know that we've postponed the surgery tonight because your husband's heart is stable, and we're going to be able to reassess tomorrow morning. So go home, and he's, he's it's still in very critical condition, but we'll reassess in the morning. And we got word the next day that he had 90% blockages in his arteries, and he had a severe aneurysm, and it was a very small percentage of his heart that was still working. And the prognosis was really bad. And I was working construction, and I would go to visit him every, every night after I got done working. And uh, for three months, I watched my dad go from the size of me, you know, 215 pounds or something, down to 155 pounds in about three months. And he had pulled out every newspaper clipping and read everything. He was a reader. And he read everything he could on heart transplants and realized that he was a candidate that was way down on the waiting list. And that even if he did get a heart, he would be an invalid the rest of his life. The great provider, the 58-year-old protector, Bill Stoutinger, who provided not only for his own family, but for all of his relatives, made sure they had work, made sure they had housing, made sure everyone was cared for, was now going to be cared for himself. I think that was harder than the heart attack. He was John Wayne. In his mind. But everyone that came to visit him, the minute they walked in the room, whether it was my Uncle Jack, Uncle Buzzard, we called him, youngest brother, or a, a co-worker, he'd worked in real estate, he worked in construction, and they would come to visit him while he was in the hospital, and no matter who walked through that front door, he had a, a book of John with him. The first thing he would say is, Jack, Jesus saved me. Just like that. That's all he knew. It was one, one verse. And everybody got it. Everybody got an earful. Jesus saved me. That's why I'm here. And uh, three months into this thing, I went to visit him after work. And... Uh, he was laying there in a, in a, on a gurney there, and, and we're just talking, and I'm praying for him a little bit, silently, and, and all of a sudden that stupid thing goes, bleed, and this flat line thing, and the nurses start running around, and he's in heart failure, you know? He's going down. I can see it in his eyes. He's, going, it's, he's not hanging on. And I just, man, I put my Bible on his chest, and I put my hands on his chest, and, and uh it almost felt like I was the, what are those paddles that they, you know, I just said, God, you know, and before I even got any words out of my mouth, uh, the next thing you know, I was in the hallway, 
and I was looking up at lights, and my, my, my feet were up on a chair. And I was like, what in the world? And the nurses like said, you, you're, out, you're out. You're out like a light. And I'm, I'm back on my feet. I said, well, where's my dad? Where's, oh, he's fine. His stopped. Wow, you know, and all I could think of was the woman that made her way through the crowd, and when she touched the hem of his garment, he turned and said, I, someone touched me. Well, everyone's touching you. Well, no, this is like, I felt virtue. You know, I felt like a, it felt like a battery that just, just went down. It just, whatever, I, whatever energy I had was not there. It was just gone. And he was fine. And then a few more months goes by, and I'm down there visiting him, talking about uh, his new baby, his new grandbaby. I've got a grandbaby coming. And uh, he loved his grandbaby. <laughs> and uh, I could see all the press clippings and books about heart transplants. And the surgeon walks in and says, Bill, he gets, I got some good news and better news. Oh, yeah. Now, you might, I came from a generation where dads didn't hug and dads didn't kiss and dads didn't talk. Okay? They didn't even talk. They just did things. They just loved you for what, what they did. And uh, he's, uh, he says, uh, Bill, the good news is we got a heart waiting for you in New York City. And you've gone to the very top of the transplant list because of the close proximity and the match. It just catapulted you ahead of a million people. Because you're, and, we, and the better news is this, we've got a pilot with a two-seater that will allow you to take one passenger and you'll be in New York City in less than an hour, in about an hour, pack your bags. And he walked out. And I was standing there looking at my dad. He says, Dave, Jesus saved me. And I said, well, I'm going to call mom because obviously she's going with you, you know. I'm going to give her a call and tell her to get to the airport to meet you there. And uh, so I'm going to go. We didn't have cell phones back in 1986. So I had to go find a pay phone. You guys know what those are? I had to go find a payphone, and uh, but before I, I'm, I'm just about out the door, and he says, "Dave, Dave," and I turn around, "Dad," he goes, "I just want you to know something, son." I said, "What, Dad?" He said, uh, "You know, every time you come around me, something good happens to me." I said, "Jesus, Dad." Jesus. And I went and, and I uh, called my mom and they flew down to New York City. And a couple days later, I got a phone call and my mom said, Dad, Dave, your, your dad passed. He, they, they brought him, you know, they, they gave him the anesthesia and he was allergic to it. <laughs> what are the chances, right? <laughs> and I thought, God, I should have been there. I, I should have been there if I if I if I had gone and said to my mom, you know, I would have put my hands on him again, you know. 
You guys said, no, D. That's not the plan. And I asked my pastor, I said, look, you know, Paul, please, you know, at this funeral, could you please tell people that, you know, everybody that comes, just tell them that they need to know Jesus. And when my relatives came into the funeral home, I probably, I was very young. I was in my early 20s, mid-20s, and, uh, and I should have had a little more wisdom, but they, they were almost ready to have me admitted because I was a little bit overly happy at my dad's funeral. <laughs> yeah! You guys ever heard of the great cloud of witnesses? John Wayne is there, man. He's looking down. Yeah. They're like, someone. He's in denial. He's got, he's in denial. At least 15 of my relatives gave their life to Christ at that funeral service. At least. But you know what? What does it say? I want to say this. This is a lifelong verse. To him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably, beyond anything that's in my finite imagination, to him I put my trust. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. Healings. How many of you are gonna how many of you are gonna pass over and meet Jesus? So it's temporary, right? Our healings, our giftings, they get us from here to there. But uh Here's what I have to leave you with. This is, this is deposit. This is it right here. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even if the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture... But when perfection comes, all these things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then... I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Three. Faith. Hope. And love. And the greatest of these three is love.
greatest of these is love. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friend. This is my command. Love each other. The world will know you're my disciples by your love. Does, let me ask you a question. Does Jesus love Esau? Does he love Judas? Yeah. He gave us our feelings. He gave us our emotions. He gave us who we are. Amen? Do you remember who the disciple was who Jesus loved? What was his name? John. Because you know why? John, he got it, didn't he? He got it. He was the one that wanted to be next to him at the table when he reclined at the supper with his head on the breast of Christ. And he just wanted to hear that heartbeat. He got to hang out and hear that heart beating. And you know what the heart was saying? I love you, John. I love you, John. John, I love you so much. Doug, I love you. I really do. And you know what else? I love you. I love you. Let's worship the one who taught us. Because there was a time in my life when I did not, I thought Walt Disney stuff was love. <laughs> I did not know what love was until he showed me. How about I love you, Lord? <laughs> 